It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check it out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now from The Athletic, our good friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Doing great. Hey, right now, Sam, at least from a record standpoint, the Jazz are the hottest team in the league, but I I feel like we've asked you a version of this question before because this uh, stretch against some of the weaker teams in the league has gone on for a minute. But what can you take from a stretch like this if you're a Jazz fan? Uh, Patience, I think, is like yet again, and and Jazz fans have been through it in years past. It's just that idea that, you know, we uh, I'm the first to admit it, the media business is, is partly built on instant reactions and overreactions and finding meaning where there might truly be none in certain performances. And to that end, you know, it, it would appear that uh, there was a lot of panic early on that was not justified. And they didn't look like a, a team that, that we, you know, the team we thought they were going to be with Mike Conley allegedly coming in and taking this thing to the next level. It's been very different. He's had the health stuff. They've taken a while to find their way. It seemed like they lost their way in terms of the identity and the foundation that they've built the past couple of years. And then, like you guys alluded to coming in, they, they make that Clarkson trade and and uh, figure a few things out, and, and they are. I mean, they're, they're hot right now. They're playing a really good ball, and you're seeing, among other things, you know, Donovan Mitchell uh, just kind of continuing to, to uh, evolve. And so, Sam, as we weigh all these things out and we watch and we evaluate – I got to admit, I'm starting to believe that this that this could be real. I, I'm not saying that they're going to win an NBA championship or anything, but I I think this team uh, w- could contend at least, uh, especially in that very difficult Western Conference. They've got a chance to move on up. They do, no, for sure. I mean, that's this more than you know. Uh, most recent years, this is a landscape where you can think that way, Gordon. You can feel that way and not have you know people tell you that you're out of your mind. And that's mostly Warriors related because they have fallen, and here you know, and the parity is there. Um, still a ton of focus, with understandable reason, on the two LA teams. Um, and, and you know, I think beyond that, though, it's like we don't know what to think of Houston. Um, Denver, it, it almost a little bit like Utah. It doesn't matter how many games Denver wins, people don't see them as you know an elite team, even though they obviously uh, were in the conference finals. But um, Utah, if you want to talk about stability, longevity, chemistry, all those things, you know, there's an argument to be made that they have certainly, you know, the, their pieces have been together longer than the Lakers pieces, the Clippers pieces. Um, you know, things of that nature, and I think that matters. We've talked a lot of times about the coaching, and and certainly Quinn Snyder remains a guy that has a ton of respect. So um, they're right there. And But, again, it's like I, it doesn't matter how long you do this. I, I didn't think this type of a turnaround was going to uh, happen three weeks ago when we were talking, and, and here we are. Let's talk about the Rockets for a six, uh, sec, Sam. You bring them up, and they don't feel any different 
to me this year than last year. I mean, take out Chris Paul, you plug in Russell Westbrook. If anything, Russell has been significantly less efficient than Chris Paul, but he's played, whereas Paul's battled some injuries, as we know. But but it doesn't feel to me like Houston is any more of a threat for the title than they have been the past couple of years. That's fair. Um, I, I think it's a different style, and admittedly, I, I haven't looked up the numbers here uh, in a little while, and if my computer cooperates, I'll, I'll share those numbers in a second here, but the idea going into the season certainly was that Russ would help with their pace, that they, in, in terms of having contrasting styles where you could, you could do that James Harden bully ball, iso ball uh, at times, and then you could just get up and go with Russ, whereas Chris Paul was definitely slowing things down. You know, that was the idea, and that was the spirit of it. And, you know, early on, that's what happened. I mean, 25 and 11 is nothing to sneeze at. They they look, you know, very hard to deal with on a lot of nights. They they have their own version of stability with the P.J. Tucker types and whatnot and who have, you know, even though that squad hasn't won a title, I, I do think, you know, we can't forget how uh, they've been through a lot. They're more playoff tested really than, I mean, as a group, than, uh, than most of the other teams in the West. And that stuff matters. So, But I think inevitably the Rockets, because of that playoff history, you know, they could be, you know, 29 and 7, and you'd probably feel the same way because I think that's what we've kind of been trained to, uh, to expect them to fall short. Speaking back uh, about the Western Conference, Sam, and I know you do pay some attention to what's going on there. There are, what, four teams that are uh, – one game separates them. It's crazy, like, guys. It's crazy. Nugget, I, I Nuggets, something. Rockets, Clippers, Jazz. Yeah, and the Mavericks are just uh, a little bit behind that. Right. Real quick, guys, I know it's taboo to go hit the rewind button in radio, but uh, since I teased to it a second ago, the Rockets are sixth in the NBA in pace. So, um, Jake, to your point about being different, they, uh, you know, sixth in pace – Last year, um, and uh, uh, geez, fifth fifth a year ago, so not not much different. Hmm. I'm missing something there. All right, we're going to circle back on that one, <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> I mean, the West is it's insane, and it's it's impacting the trade market, which is what I write about for a piece coming out tomorrow. Is that you have all these teams that really should give up on the dream? You know what I mean? They should be thinking about being. Uh, sellers and thinking about the big picture, and I'm talking about Sacramento, Minnesota. I mean, San Antonio is in playoff position, but it's not the normal type of uh, Spurs playoff push. It's below 500. Um, you know, all these teams, Phoenix, where they, you know, they're still looking at the trade market and thinking, you know, we either want to hold on to the pieces that are of some value because we want to keep scratching out wins to stay in the playoff race, uh, or you know, we just we're, we're not going to engage in the types of things where we think about the big picture, because we're right there, and it's weird. I mean, it's not what we're used to seeing in the West, um, and there's really, I mean, New Orleans wins last night. They are let's see, four games out of the eighth spot. I mean, 13 and 25 in mid-January should compel you to become, you know, a seller and to think about the future and to bottom out. Instead, like New Orleans is very unique. They have the Zion Williamson situation where he's coming back in a couple of weeks, um, we believe. So it's almost like they, they feel like they should give him a chance to compete with the group that they brought in with him as a rookie, that Drew Holidays and 
you know, with J.J. Redick and Derek Favors and that crew. So even New Orleans, you know, right there, only a few games above the, the lowly Warriors, you know, is, is not to the point where they're lighting the phone lines up and talking about trades. And that'll change. We still have almost a month left until the deadline. But, but I think that is definitely a big story this year. So just kind of adding on to that, when you say sellers, uh, you know, how extreme are we talking here? Like if you're Minnesota and you should consider being a seller, and I totally get what you're saying right there, would you go as extreme as moving somebody like Carl Anthony Towns? I don't know. Not, they, they've given no indication no matter what happens. Hmm. I think they could lose 20 in a row and they wouldn't trade Carl right now. They got him on a long-term deal. They see him as a centerpiece guy, and I don't have any reason to believe that they think he's the problem. Um, you know, so far they had been trying to go extract high-level players, you know, through other means. Now, Robert Covington is a name that is going to be around a lot for the next month. He's a guy who plays both ends of the floor, can, you know, give you spread the floor and, and shoot that ball a little bit, and his contract is fairly team-friendly. It's uh, just a shade above $10 million for the next couple of years. He could be part of your program. So, you know, I don't think you're selling all the way to the cat level. And some of that's been written. The Warriors, uh, according to our Ethan Strauss, are monitoring, you know, that type of thing. But it's it's too early, I think, for a guy like that. And besides, once the Warriors get healthy next year, and if they get another top draft pick, uh, Sam, that team's going to be right back near the top again. Oh, they will be. Yeah, it's an interesting year. Even... It's funny, guys. Like you know how much I've been around them the past couple of years. Um, I went to my first Warriors game about a week ago for the entire season uh, at home in their new arena, and that just for me, anecdotally, like that was really telling of what's going on this season. Because I used to spend half my time down in Oakland, which is about an hour and a half away. So, you know, the new arena uh, without traffic is a little farther, but but still, like there's not the pull to be around them because of who they are right now, but shoot, even just today, um, videos of Steph Curry looking pretty good, uh, kind of rumblings that maybe he comes back in mid-February, early February, and gets a couple of months on the court, and you know, and then Clay Thompson coming back in the off season, and, and then you, there you go. And even last night, I'm sure you guys saw some of the stuff on social media, um, Steph and Giannis out of the Kupo kind of yucking it up during their game, and, and rumors about who's the next star the Warriors are going to try to go get. So they'll be fine. I mean, it's it's kind of a just a burned year where they uh, they get used to the new building. And, and I don't know if they're going to be winning championships next year, but they're going to be in the mix for sure. Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, Sam, Jimmy Butler down there in Miami, and he had an interesting night last night with his little incident with uh, T.J. Warren and his comments and uh, you know, Warren actually getting thrown out and, uh, you know, that whole episode. But <clears throat> it feels like Miami is is not only really good, but it feels like Jimmy Butler is going like John Rambo down there and, and certainly has a point to prove. <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't know how the fans and listeners feel. Um, I, I, I get why Jimmy has rubbed people the wrong way. Last year was was kind of gross, for lack of a better way of putting it, with some of the stuff he pulled in Minnesota. But, I, you know, he's he's at least living up to it. He took what I would argue is a bolder path in free agency. He did not go shopping for a team with another co-star. He but he went alone. He, he went to the place that, and he's talked about this at length, 
the place that he thought fit his personality, his competitiveness, and his work ethic and his dedication, which is that Miami Heat culture, which, you know, it is a really good fit. And what you saw last night was a guy who's just unabashedly um, going to compete, and he's not going to back down from anybody, let alone T.J. Warren. And, you know, I don't know. I thought, I mean, I'm, I got no problem with guys caring so much about, you know, competition that, I mean, sure, that's a little R-rated, probably not great for the kids in the front row. Uh, he got a laugh out of me, though, because, first of all, um, like, I've never seen a guy, like, yeah, he dropped a couple F-bombs, things of that nature, but I've never seen a guy get down to the, the basics. I don't know if you guys did any lip reading in that exchange, but he's yelling at TJ, and he just keeps saying over and over again, I'm tough. I'm tough. Like, just I'm keeping it simple. And I think he even said, I'm mean. And, I mean, he stands up to it. I mean, he's, he's not backing down. TJ didn't back down. Um, not great that Jimmy, in the beginning of that, he did cock back and look like he was about to knock TJ out. I mean, we got to make sure we don't have, you know, full-out brawls. But, I mean, those guys were getting after it. So you got the Bucks in the East and you got the Lakers in the West. The Bucks are up five games. The Lakers up four. Is there a team other than those two? And you talked about the Heat there. Is there a team that sort of has caught your attention, Sam, that you think uh, is worth keeping an eye on? I mean, Boston's interesting, and then they drop a game, you know, like they did last night to San Antonio. Um, Miami's a shocker, and 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 you know, again, you can probably tell by the tone of my voice that I'm becoming more of a believer in Jimmy and and the, and the Heat. So I think they're right there. Philly, Philly's interesting because pretty mediocre stretch for the past ten games or so. Um, I still mostly like what they have going on, other than obviously the Joel Embiid injury today, which you know news is even uh, breaking as we speak about the status of that injury. So that's not good. And then Al Horford has had a tough time fitting in, and that's a tricky fit because during the playoffs, I think he could really come in handy, specifically just uh, like the guy you want to throw at Giannis defensively in a, in a Bucks-Sixers matchup. But in the interim, you know, kind of a tough fit. And then Ben Simmons getting a ton of attention for his just his limited game and his you know lack of willingness to shoot from beyond the arc and and uh, and just kind of how handicapped his game seems to be. So I'm not giving up on the Sixers. The Pacers are are to me a, a plucky, overachieving team that I don't take seriously as a you know contender to come out of the East. And then I'd probably apply that same rationale to Toronto. I'm impressed with just how they're comporting themselves. And, like, you lose a guy like Kawhi Leonard and you go 25-13 and 13 in the first half of the year, that's incredibly impressive. But I've got Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, Philly on a, a different level. Sam, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. I got to set the record straight really quickly. The Please Rockets uh, 27th in pace. Uh-huh. I read it wrong. So, so uh, the point is, Jake, they were slow as heck last year, and now they are um, second in the NBA. <laughs> and, and that difference is significant, obviously, so they, they are different. Interesting. Yes. There we go. I finally got there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sam. Okay, see you. Sam Amick from The Athletic, one of our favorites here on the uh, Daily Assist on The Big Show. Yeah, all kinds of competition in the league right now. I don't know whether – I know you were busy last night, but did you see any of the highlights of that uh, Denver-Dallas game? I did. And uh, that was a competitive affair. It was, and the Joker hitting a three. I, 
I think the Western Conference fi- or the Western Conference is full of interesting stories, both positive and negative. I thought what Sam had to say about the sellers there mm-hmm. was was interesting because when is honestly when are the Thunder going to stop treading water? But we saw we saw the Pelicans the other night, and I think that's a promising young team. It is a promising young team, but could you make it more promising in the future by moving somebody like JJ Redick? Uh, yeah, maybe you could. But they got some nice young players, and I, I thought, okay, today is not their day. Uh, they're going to have some bright days in the future. I don't know exactly how it's all going to come together or when, but they've got some uh, reason for optimism, I think. But I I, th- I think there's some other teams out there. Like what he said about Minnesota, I'm not moving off Cat unless I have to, but I'd consider moving Andrew Wiggins if I were the Timberwolves. They're not going anywhere with that pairing. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're Oklahoma City— um, and you're going to rebuild around Shea Gilgis-Alexander, which looks like he's going to be a terrific player. If you can get off Chris Paul's contract in any way, shape, or form, you do that. But if you can move Steven Adams for a first-round pick? I, I mean, uh, how long, if you're these teams, are you grasping at you know, just squeaking into the playoffs right. to be fodder to the Lakers. Well, that's, you know, like that's that's not worth it. Yeah, that's the age-old question, Jake, that we've talked about. Well, we used to talk about it when the Jazz were kind of in that place. Yep. And, you know, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of those old jazz teams that were fighting and clawing, scratching to get that seven or eight spot in the, in the Western playoffs. And uh, it just, you're stuck. So at what point do you stop doing that and yeah. start the rebuild? And the Jazz had to do that too. The year where they moved off Jefferson and, yeah. and Millsap, I mean, they had to they had to go through some growing pains because everybody's got to rebuild at some point. And so are you just delaying it or are you helping it or what? And in the case of, say, the Thunder, like if you're a, a team about to turn the corner, oh, yeah, shoot for that eight spot. Yeah, I think that's where New Orleans thought that they would be this mm-hmm. year, whereas because they'd rebuild on the fly with Zion and they had some young pieces and they could be already turning that corner. But if you're the Thunder, where are you, where are you going? Yeah. Where are you going with that group? You yeah. know, it, I think it. I think that's kind of what Sam was getting at. On the where other hand, you, you, don't, you don't want to pull the competitor out of uh, the competitiveness out of the players that you do have. You know. Well, that's the danger. That's the danger of the rebuild. Do you do you ruin your culture? Right. For the sake of, um, you know, strategically adding more talent. And you, you certainly run that risk. I think that's where you really depend on on a head coach and maybe depend on front office. That's why, and I, I don't know how folks feel about this, but actually the, the, the timing of moving on from Ty Corbin was really good. Whether that was intentional or not, the, the timing worked out pretty well there. Because you bottomed out with Ty and then you hire a new head coach and he builds an entirely new culture. Yeah, and they had to with do that it. roster. And they, they had, had to. Right. So if you're Oklahoma City, yeah, you're a little worried about your your culture taking a hit, but you you can't stick in the middle. You're just not going to go anywhere. So you pick your your guys you're going to rebuild around and then you go and and you you identify a time when you think you should be peaking. So jazz fans can reflect back on those times when they had to turn that corner. And be grateful that they're not the Memphis Grizzlies now. Right. And you hope that the pieces you've chosen to, to build around are, are going to stick around and continue to get better. I mean, there's the, at, at some point, you know, if you're OKC, you realize that Gilgis Alexander is your guy and you got to figure out a way to put 
complementary contracts and players around him so right. you can grow together. You know, the, the Jazz team with Hayward that was just about to turn the corner and barely missed on the playoffs that one year, that was certainly different than the team the Jazz had with Millsap and Jefferson where they were scrapping to make the yeah. eighth slot when they were really just delaying the inevitable. Right. Those are those are different teams in different positions. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the challenge in the NBA with darn near half the league. Uh, honestly, if I'm Minnesota, I'm moving Wiggins as soon as I can. <laughs> and I'm figuring out if somehow I can salvage a roster that Carl Anthony Towns wants to stick around on. You have to. You have to. Uh, you do. They, they've been disappointing, so you got to figure out where to go next. All right. Uh, it is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.